fundamentalism. Right. We know that, but maybe some of our listeners are thinking, "What in the world is he talking about? Fundamentalism, yeah. missionary Baptist? What is it?" So, so give us some some examples of, of what that looked like, church life looked like at that point. Well, I told you I wasn't going to talk about any of that. Yeah, I know. And I told you you had to, brother. Mississippi is a part of your life, so can't do your Grace Life story without the Mississippi part. Salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Each of us has a unique story of how that takes place. In this series of podcasts, members of Grace Life Church of the Shoals share their stories of redemption and grace. Here now is my Grace Life story. Welcome into another Grace Life story. We're in the Grace Life recording studios, and we actually are on just the countdown to True Church Conference getting started for 2023. And since it's True Church Conference time, we have a lot of friends, a lot of guests here that we only really get to see about once a year. And our guests on My Grace Life story today are Blake and Destiny Keenum. They are former members of Grace Life Church, and they now serve the Lord in a local church in Canada. So it's a privilege for us to get to have them here to tell a little bit about their Grace Life story. So I'm going to hand it over to them. Blake, I'm going to let you start. And if you would, just tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your family, maybe a little bit about where you're currently serving. And then Destiny will let you tell a little bit about yourself as well, and then we'll go from there. So Blake, give us some info about who you are. Well, I just want to say it's a privilege to be able to do this. Uh, I, I count it a, a privilege because ultimately all, all that I'm going to share with you today is not really my doing. Um, the Lord has blessed me with the opportunity to have a Grace Life story. Yeah, awesome. Um, and I, I'm grateful just to be a part of it. My name is Blake Keenum. I'm uh, 35 years of age. I'm a native of Iuka, Mississippi. If, for those who don't know where that is, Iuka is just 45 minutes west of Muscle Shoals, just across the state line. I, I grew up in Iuka, Mississippi under um, uh, some devout Christians and uh, was raised in church and came really cut my teeth in a church pew there in uh, Iuka, Mississippi. I believe I came to know the Lord at an early age. I, 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 if I get to heaven one day and the Lord decides to show me, no, it was more later, then I won't be surprised, but I began to have conviction of sin at nine years of age. Wow, yeah. And so uh, was, now let, let me stop yeah. you right there. So your conviction of sin, was that during a church service? Was that, I, I know your mom and dad are believers. Was that where, you know, was the Lord using them? Maybe some things they were doing at home. Was it a combination? Hey, you know, tell me a little bit about how the Lord was bringing you to conviction at that point. Well, it was really uh, undramatic, okay. uh, to be honest with you. But yes, it was in a church service. Okay. Uh, actually, as we drove down here to come to the True Church Conference, I had a friend with me, and I drove him by the church and was show, telling him the story. And he was asking, yeah. "Was well, is, is the preacher preaching? Is he, what, what is he preaching? And I, right. I said, well, he wasn't preaching anything. Yeah. We had a children's choir in our church at that time, okay. and I was the child designated to pray that day. And I don't know why, but, buddy, when I prayed, I remember very distinctly my heart was broken. Wow. I think my Sunday school teacher told me later that our, our her lesson that morning was on Nicodemus. So I grew up in a church atmosphere like that. I knew those stories, but it just began to really press upon me at, at that age. And so I prayed. I went down to the pew, and the, I think they're taking up the offering. That preacher hasn't even got in the, in the pulpit yet, and I wow. start praying. Wow. I start calling out to the Lord to save me. Yeah. I was telling my friend uh, when I was finished, I got up and I started shaking my dad. I was grabbing his his shirt collar and I was pulling on it. It's like, right. Dad, Dad, I'm, I just got saved. And he was like, he, I think he was kind of annoyed by it. <laughs> <laughs> he thought that was just you messing with him again or something, yeah, right? I was like, what so. do you want? You want to go to the bathroom or something? <laughs> you know. 
but uh, it wasn't long after that I was baptized. Had you, had you had any other like moments like that where you had inquired maybe with the pastor or maybe with your mom and dad about the Lord, or was this a, you know, just, I, I know you said it's undramatic. Was this a, you know, just, man, the Lord seemingly out of nowhere just brought you into conviction and, and, and drew you to himself? That's a good question. Uh, the answer is no. That, that, okay. There was other events that happened. It yeah. wasn't just spontaneous. Prior to that, I began to have questions. Okay. And I remember my dad sitting down with me. And here's the thing I'd like to say. My dad's not Calvinistic or right. doesn't believe in the doctrines of grace, but he believed in the necessity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yep. And he, he would sit down with me at early age, eight and nine years old, and say, son, you have to have the Holy Spirit in order to be saved. Right. You can't just do this on your own. The Lord's going Lord's to have to convict you. Yeah. And in his way of doing it, this may not be the best theological summary, but he would say, I would ask him, how do you know? He said, son, if the Lord starts dealing with you, he said, you're not going to have any question in your mind. You're going right. to know. Yeah. And by God's grace, that's been my experience. And right. that's what happened. I knew that day I, I needed to be saved. Yeah. Um, Amen. So that was at nine? Yeah. Okay. So at nine years yeah. old, I feel like the Lord, obviously there was, you know, some times even before then where you had questions, you were inquiring about the Lord with your dad and, and obviously sitting under preaching and all that goes along with that. But so the Lord saves you, you're, you're, you're baptized at some point thereafter. And so how, how do things proceed from there as far as your walk with the Lord? I, well, that's a good question. How would I summarize that? I remained a, a nominal Christian back and forth with seasons of devout interest to the Lord okay. throughout my teen years. All right. I think I was preoccupied with whatever teens are sure uh, are wanting. Right. And that, I'll be honest with you, that caused me a lot of grief later, mm-hmm. when I was 18, 19 years old, because I, it began to cause serious questions internally about whether or not I was genuine. How do I really know I'm saved? How do I really know I'm a Christian? But throughout the course of that time, I would have seasons of revival and, you know, and, and sure. coming back to the Lord. And then at 16 years of age, I began to ask the question, what I want to do with my life? And I began to pray, and with the encouragement and help of my parents, they helped me see, I think the Lord may be working with you to do something in ministry. Okay. And at 16 years of age, I professed to call to, what we called, I surrendered to the call of right, ministry. Right, right, I don't know that that's the reform way to describe it these days, yeah. but in our camp, that's what you called it. Right. And, uh, and Okay, so that brings up, tell me a little bit about the camp. You were in at that point in time. Yeah. So I was raised in missionary Baptist churches. They are probably an offshoot or a branch of Southern Baptist with an right. added flavor of fundamentalism. Okay. All right. So give us uh, some examples here. Just for, uh, you know, a lot of times you and I, missionary Baptists, we know that. Fundamentalism, right. we know that. But maybe some of our listeners are thinking, what in the world is he talking about? Fundamentalism, yeah. missionary Baptist, what is it? So so give us some some examples of, of what that looked like, church life looked like at that point. Well, I told you I wasn't going to talk about any of that. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I told you you had to, brother. Mississippi is a part of your life. So can't do your grace life story without the Mississippi part. Uh, I was uh, raised in uh, a tinge of Baptists who were landmarkers. Okay. That we'll mean- get to that in a few moments. Okay. The short story is landmarkism is a is a is an ecclesiological view that only Baptist churches are true churches. Gotcha. And so that would mean if a person's not a part of a Baptist church, or even stricter guidelines than that, their baptism was not be would not be accepted. Right. For example, if Matt Fowler wanted to go to one of these churches and join, he'd have to be rebaptized. Right. Right. Even though you're baptized by immersion as a believer. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
And so that's an example. Okay. Another feature was uh, independent fundamental Baptists. Um, it was a it was a flavor in the groups that I was with. That would mean King James only, gotcha. real strict dress codes, real hard emphasis on outward holiness. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah, and I, I just want to say, you know, obviously we we and even you and, and Destiny now have some theological differences with that, but I also want to say there's godly people. Um, in those churches, yeah. that there are people that love the Lord, and, and obviously y'all's parents are, are some of those folks. And yes. so this is definitely not a—I didn't ask you that question to be a hit piece on, no, on the camp you were coming from. There, there's folks that are serving the Lord there, and we're very thankful for them. Yeah. There are some differences, you know, theologically and even practically with how ministry works itself out at times. But, um, but yeah, absolutely. The Lord, Lord obviously used that setting in your life, you know, yeah. draw you to the Lord, and then ultimately call you to ministry. So. Well, let, let me put it this way, and this will this kind of put it in a positive light— while there are different interpretations of text and ideas that I would disagree with on, I am very thankful that not a day in my life it was it ever a question that the Bible is the Word of God and that Amen. we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Not a day in my life. Yeah. I, there was not even a hint of, li- of a liberalizing tendency or right. uh, an, a, an idea that we would do anything but follow the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Um, Amen. Good. And I, I'm grateful for that. Amen. All right, Destin, let me let you hop in here if you would. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, some quick facts about who you are, maybe a little bit also about you coming to know the Lord. Okay. Well, my story's pretty similar to Blake's, kind of raised the same way. I was born, and the next Sunday I was in church. Mom and Dad were always very busy in the church, always youth leaders. Mom worked in the church library. We had a pastoral school in our first church, and she was just always very involved with things like that. So I was very familiar with the Bible, with the Word, uh, the Word of God, with stories, and I was... Is this the same church setting as Blake, or is this different uh, No, it's a bit different. Uh, I don't really know how it would... We were in the same association. Okay. So kind of like the Anchored in Truth Conference, where there's connected churches that gather together. We grew up in that realm together. I got you. Good. So not nearly as strict on any of those particulars when I was younger. We're, so we had family devotions at home. Mom and dad were same as Blake. We, we There was never a question that this is what we're going to do. We're right. going to read the Bible. We're going to do what it says. You know, the, God is our Lord and we're going to, we're going to serve him. So that was just never, never questioned. Um, so then I was baptized earlier than Blake, seven years old. I you know, came to the altar, prayed a prayer, was baptized very soon after. I really don't remember much about that. I knew I had a very strong conscience. Things bothered me a lot. I don't know that that was godly sorrow, but, you know, I I would feel the need to do something about that. So I guess that was one day I chose to do that. Okay. (laughs) So I think the Lord did work in my heart, even as a young girl, but I can't say that was the time. I was born again. Okay. So then again, at 13 years old, I had, you know, a teenager and gotten in trouble for this or that. So I'm feeling sorrowful again about things. So I make another profession of faith and was baptized again. And um, I really can't say yes or no about that time either. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know. I think the Lord definitely used those moments in my life. But I, I had a chance to share my testimony this week, and it just helped me to reflect back over uh, when things really started to change in my heart uh, was before we came to Grace Life. Blake and I started listening to Pastor Jeff on the radio, and he was one that we were not supposed to listen to 
But I he was on the do not listen list, right? So I came home and I told Blake, "You got to listen to this guy. He's pretty good." And so, so you heard Brother Jeff before Blake? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. It was you her. were rebelling first. Well, I don't Blake think I rebelled. knew. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. I'm okay. just like, this is a good preacher. He came on after. Uh, he would come on WBTG uh, at nine uh, nine o'clock or nine thirty. Tim, he would come on at nine thirty just after Charles Stanley. Okay. Uh, every every week, and so yeah. we would listen to Charles Stanley, and then. Right after was, that, Brother Jeff. Was call. Charles Stanley on the do not listen list? No, 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 no not at all. <laughs> well, wow. Here you go. Okay, I'm sorry, Destiny, no, I, that's I good. interrupt, yeah, so that's go ahead. Good. So I'm, I, well, I'm driving to Northeast every day to community college, and he comes on the radio, so I'm just listening to the preaching, and I'm like, that's, that's good preaching. <laughs> and so I tell Blake, we need to, you need to listen to this guy, and he says, you, you probably shouldn't be listening to him. I'm like, well, you, you just need to give it a listen. So we start listening to that, and somehow we get introduced to Todd Friel's ministry. Okay. So we're hearing about true conversion for the first time, wow. ever reconsidering what is conversion. Mm. And all of a sudden, no one around me looks saved anymore. No. <laughs> how, old, how old were you at this point, Destin? Um, 19, 19, 20, okay. 18, 19, 20s. Um, so then we started listening to, you know, more Todd Friel, and I, I heard of Rick Thomas, and uh, we listened to this series called Drive-By Marriage, and the whole thing was centered and focused on the gospel and how that practically works in your marriage. And I had never, hmm. ever, I don't remember hearing the gospel applied in such a way. It was just a combination of ABCs of salvation. You do this, you believe, you're saved, you go to the mm-hmm. baptism. And I never heard, I'm not saying it wasn't taught, but just the working of the Spirit at that point in time. Um, this is a living thing. This is this is alive. Yeah. And, uh, and I think at that point, just things really started to change for us. Yeah. And they, we were working, it was together. We were at the same time being just our minds being opened and our hearts being illuminated to uh, the truth of God's Word and how it's alive and how we got to find this kind of teaching somewhere. Wow. Um, So so do you think that was maybe your conversion? You know, thinking back, thinking back, yes, I I would, if I had to say a point in time, it was then. Right, Right. Because that's when things became less of stories in the Bible Mm -hmm. and a combination that you do. But right. it's something you live. This is, yeah, yeah Amen. a part of who you are. But That's great. She, she skipped quite just a bit there. Um, okay. There was a lot at play, more than what she described. We had a wonderful uh, outward uh, experience when we first got married. She sure. was 21 and I was 18. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I said that backwards. She was 18 and I was 21. But we both, in that season of time, while we outwardly had, uh, were, were very pleasant home life and and cult and church culture, we were inwardly in turmoil hmm. over the question of whether or not we were saved. So that, and a lot of that was, and I know Destiny hit on this a little bit, but in in the settings you had grown up in, the gospel had been presented more as a come to the altar, a pray a prayer. A decision a, you a made. De- decisionism, if we yep. want to call it that, right? Yep. So, so at this point, the Lord is beginning to, you know, open your eyes a little bit to, okay, maybe, maybe we haven't thought about this quite right. Maybe we haven't thought about this as biblically as we should. Is that accurate? Yes, and it's specifically on the part of an assurance. It wasn't that the gospel was misrepresented. If you ask somebody, what is the gospel? You might, 
Christ died for our sins, yeah. and you must repent Amen. and believe of your sin and believe in Christ. Right. But if you ask the question, how do you know you're saved? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That question was almost universally answered with the response, well, go back to that day and time mm-hmm. and remember it, and you'll find peace yeah. that and God I, actually did something. I never did have that. That's, pro- that's, yeah. a, pro- that's a problem. <laughs> it wasn't working for <laughs> no. you, right? The, the admonition well, was not working. That's a problem when you're nine years old. Yeah. Nine years old, I don't remember what I had to eat last week, much less right, how I right. really felt and if I was really sincere. Mm-hmm. Now, while I say, I told you a minute ago, I feel like I probably got saved at nine. Right. I don't bank my assurance on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes. My assurance is I, I trust Christ right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and, the, and to, to do, give credit where credit is due, Brother Jeff taught me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, I remember hearing a testimony from. I don't. This has been years ago, but it was a, a Q and A session at a big evangelical conference, and someone had asked John Piper about his testimony of conversion, and he had a a, a similar story, maybe to yours, Blake, in that he mm-hmm. said, actually, he said his mom had told him as long as he could remember that when he was six years old, he cried out to the Lord. He had a conviction of sin. He, he believed on Christ to save him, and he said, you know, I really don't remember anything about being a six year old kid. He said, but what I do know is that. The Lord is still working in my life today. Yeah. The, yeah. the Spirit of God is still bearing fruit in and through me today. And that's where his assurance was. It wasn't in, well, I looked back to when I was a six-year-old boy, you know, and get, he said, I don't know what happened when I was six, but I do know that today, you know, the Lord is still working in my life, and he's, he's never left me nor forsaken me. And so Absolutely. reminded me of that a little bit when you're sharing your testimony. So Yeah. All right, good. So Well, let me say one last yeah, thing go ahead. before you transition here. The reason I brought that up is that that became – a season of time when we realized that as good as the teaching we had, it was not deep enough or sufficient enough to answer hard questions that was going on in our heart. And so then comes in, she starts listening to Brother Jeff on on the radio. And so in starts, instead of preachers pointing me inward to see, to find assurance, Pastor Jeff is pointing me to Christ. Yeah. So instead of a subjective, I know so salvation, it's an objective fact of right. Christ now that I'm holding to instead of how I feel about this yeah. topic. Amen. Amen. Uh, now, that's great because that actually is a good transition because yeah. now that you guys are you're hearing Brother Jeff, Todd Friel, you've got these other preachers now that you're preaching the Word and, and, and you're soaking this up. So tell me a little bit about how you decided, okay, this Noblet guy's on the radio. We need to go figure this thing out. We need to go to Muscle Shoals. Well, I think, so how does that come about? I think, um, so I start listening to Pastor Jeff, and somehow you transi- transition into sermon audio, and you're finding John Reisinger and so all these men of God who are preaching the Word, and he's getting frustrated because every time he looks up the pastor, it's a Reformed guy. <laughs> which, which was definitely on the not listen yeah. list, correct? Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> so every time he finds this good guy, he's like, I got to look up more about this guy. And he's reformed again. Yeah. So I think that's just keeps chipping away at where we were. That's a, that's a, that's a very short summary of it. But yeah. yes, that, that is true. And you're doing what at this time? I mean, at 16, yeah. you felt like called in the ministry, but yeah. you're doing what at this point in time? All right, so I had been preaching since six, I've been preaching since right. 16 years of age. My my little church in Iuka uh, licensed me. That's okay. different than ordination. It basically affirms you and allows you to do the functions of like 
preaching at a funeral, okay. stuff like that. Gotcha. And I've been doing pretty much a fill-in ministry for churches around the North Mississippi, North okay. Alabama area. I've been I've been a pulpit supply guy, yeah. which in smaller unaffiliated churches is very needed. Right. And so I'm preaching for a couple of years almost every Sunday okay. somewhere. And, and and don't ask me to try to synthesize it for you, but at the same time struggling about whether or not I'm even saved. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I got you. Uh, uh, and so eventually that transitioned to a part-time position at my local church. Okay. I was uh, part of that church and, and uh, preached regularly and did some evangelistic emphasis there. Okay. About that time, when we started looking and searching, I heard Brother Jeff on the radio. The thing that first appealed to me is I, he preached about assurance of salvation. Mm-hmm. And is actually one of his most... Uh, um, and another thing I heard was the pretenders from Hebrews, Hebrews 6. Yeah. It's one of the first sermons I heard from him. Yeah. And that resonated with me okay. because it agreed with the true and false conversion thing. And so I'm starting to learn truth. And for a period of about two years, Destiny and I are just consuming, consuming, consuming. And the thing we're looking for is exactly what she identified. We want to hear what this person makes of Christ. And for us, now I'm not saying this is universal across the board. For us, that has been the distinguishing feature of Reformed preaching. Amen. It's Christ. Yeah. It's, obj- it's focused on the objective truth of right. who Christ is and what yeah. he's done for us. Yeah, that's a good, good point. So we do, we're doing that. We're we're, uh, we're listening to that, and as she said, I began to realize that Brother Jeff and all these other guys they believe in the doctrine of predestination, and so I, I I had a conscience issue going on, and so for about the space of six months, I sat down and studied, and I and I I listened to sermons. I tried to find material, and I tried to read and understand what is the doctrine of predestination, and John Reisinger, Brother Jeff taught me, but John Reisinger, mm-hmm. old. Uh, Reformed Baptist preacher yeah. brought me over the hump. Yeah, and I remember I, I worked with my dad, and I was in a heavy piece of machinery listening to his sermon. And and by the time I was done, I sit back and I laughed. I started laughing uh, <laughs> because I said, "Wow, I believe in the doctrine of predestination. <laughs> uh, I, I, I believe in this. Yeah. This is this is true. This is biblical." <laughs> right. That immediately put me in a difficult situation because, I, by God's providence, my pastor then, who's an honorable man, a man mm-hmm. of integrity, sure. has deep convictions about Calvinism, and not good ones. And so I ended up going and confessing to him. Mm-hmm. This is where I am. This is what I, what I think. And it, his words to me, he says, you'll never preach that in my church. Yeah. And so uh, I, we had a, a season there of what are we going to do now? And, mm-hmm. and the closest church that I knew that preached these things, and it was more than just that. It, it was I was coming to see not only that we're mi- I'm missing things on doctrinal perspective, but church life, body right. life. Right. I'd become convinced, brother, brother Jeff and Grace, life just from what I'd listened knew what a healthy church looked like, mm-hmm. or at least aiming at it. And and so I came- was was healthy church something that was talked about in the more missionary Baptist independent fundamental. You know, and I'm just, I, I genuinely, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously we talk about it a lot here, and most Reformed people I know talk about kind of healthy church life. Was that something that was emphasized where you guys were, or? I would say no. I don't remember hearing those words. No. Really. Yeah. No. Okay. It wouldn't be averse to it, right. but sure. it wasn't right. just sure. on the radar. Gotcha. And so I came, I remember I came, we came to Grace Life Church. I, I soon resigned from that congregation and the position I had. Mm-hmm. And on a Sunday night, uh, Destiny and I showed up. And as a matter of fact, Mark... What year was that? It was August of 2013. Okay. Wow. That's almost 10 years ago. Yeah. 
August of 2013. And okay. I remember I came in on a Sunday night. Uh, we sat in the back over behind the sound booth. Mm-hmm. And at the close of the service, Mark Tucker came up and talked talk to me. Okay. first person I met from yeah. Grace Life Church was Mark awesome. Tucker. And I, I told him who I was, what I was doing there. And he's like, well, man, you want to meet Brother Jeff? And I said, sure. Yeah, I would, I, would, I would really like that. I was kind of like, because uh, by that time, you got to understand, I've listened to hundreds of sermons yeah, from this right. guy. He's already taught me more truth than he re- ever knew and realized. Mm-hmm. And so I walked down the front and shook his hand, got to know him. I mean, it was pretty exciting. We told, we told him we were interested in maybe considering being here. And first thing he said out of his mouth, I've told you guys this before. First thing he says is, well, yeah, you need, you could come here. You, you probably need to. He said, you just need to stay here about five years yeah. <laughs> before you try to go do anything else. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, yeah. I have to stay here five years before I right. e- endeavor to go do something else? Yeah. Um, that was the first thing he told me. Yeah. And we did. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. There you go. And uh, it was the best five years of my life. So after that, after that Sunday night, did y'all come back the next week, like to Sunday morning, to small groups? When, when was the first time you kind of got, you know, the full Grace Life experience on a, a Sunday morning? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was the very next Sunday morning, I believe. It was in August. I, I think uh, the membership class started in October. Okay. Because it was soon after that we, we went to the membership class. It was mm-hmm. either October or November. Mark Counts was attending here then. Mark's also a Mississippi guy, just for the people that are out there listening to us on the podcast, also from yeah. Mississippi. So that's how Blake, Blake and them would have known them. Yeah, well, and, and we already knew Mark. We were mm-hmm. semi-friends with them. And he had found out from somebody during the week that we had come. And I think he called me that week or something, and we talked it out. We worked it out. We came on that Sunday morning. We, we were plugged into a small group class and, I mean, really never looked back since. Yeah. Who's your teacher? Uh, Do you remember? I was in class with uh, Garrett. I don't know if Garrett was teaching that okay. at that time. And David's uh, son Rob? David's son-in-law. Other Rob, uh, uh, Brandon. Brandon, yeah. Brandon, Brandon, yeah. Brandon my name okay. Skip me for a minute. Yeah, Brandon was in the class. I think Brandon may have been teaching at that time. Destiny, how about you? Yeah. Margo and Sandra. Margo and Sandra. People are always in Margo and Sandra's class, so I have to give them more credit than I than I give them. They do a great job. They They do. do. They're amazing. Good. All right. Okay. So I I know there's a ton of stuff that we could talk about here, but you guys do become members, obviously, at Grace Life. Mm -hmm. Now, how how long after you become a member do you preach your first sermon here at Grace Life? Wow. You just trying to throw me under the bus. <laughs> I know what you're doing. Oh, I, uh, brother, yeah. it's part of your grace life story. <laughs> yeah, so you got to share this. the stories. That's <laughs> it. I don't know. Do you remember how long it was? I, I don't. I mean, obviously, brother Jeff and I had, you know, was it like two this, years? No. Well, we obviously had these discussions where you know we knew you're kind of you know you'd been in ministry, and so at some point, I know I'm sure brother Jeff and I had a conversation about. You know, hey, at some point we need to let Blake preach, but I, 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 I really have no idea of the timeline of how long that was. It, I know it was more than six months. Okay. It could have been more than a year. Good. I know that because yeah. you guys have so. a, ver- a very strong policy here. We don't let people teach until they've been yeah, here Yeah, I, I know it definitely wasn't like you joined and the next week we got you in the pool. No. That mm-hmm. definitely wasn't the case. Which, which by the way, was excellent. Yeah. Yes, uh, oh, that's starkly yeah. Different yeah. from oh, where really? we, it's okay. like you say a prayer this week, you're baptized next week. Yeah, you feel yeah. the call to preach. Let's you're lay, in. let's lay yeah, hands right. next week. Yeah. yeah. So to to see you guys pause on things it was very refreshing. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, so so anyway, somewhere in there you preach your first sermon. Now, not trying to throw you under the bus, Blake, but let's let's yes, you are your fr- your first <laughs> yes, sermon you at Grace Life was uh, on what? Uh, I preached Matthew sixteen eighteen. 
with a particular emphasis as to why uh, the word church there uh, was not referring to a specific local body of believers, right. but to the church universal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I made an application to the doctrines of landmarkism right. as being error. Yeah, which obviously, back to what you said earlier, you're coming out of that, that it'd Correct. be very strong, and so obviously the Lord is, yeah. is bringing you there. And which I thought, by the way, was a good application. Sure, I was yeah, told, sure. I was told after that, no, no. It wasn't. <laughs> uh, well, I, I do want to tell a little bit of this. I will tell some of Blake's grace life story at this point, and, and I, I am telling this because I, I think it's a, a mark of God's grace in your life, um, really, and... I guess it was a couple of weeks after that, Blake preached, and I'm not even sure that Brother Jeff was in the midweek service that week, and mm-hmm. I was, you and were, so I had yeah. taken some notes from time to time. And, yeah. and I'm saying at Grace Life, most of our people, and I think I told Blake when we had this infamous lunch at a Mexican restaurant here in our town, probably don't even know what landmarkism is. Now, some of them yeah. do. Yeah. They don't know the verbiage. Right. You know, they don't know that idea, and so— Anyway, we, I told Blake, I said, man, let's eat. Let's go over your sermon. And I'll never forget, I, I knew that I, I needed to talk through some things with you about that sermon. Not that I know everything about preaching, but I just I felt like the Lord had given me some things. I thought, okay, I need to tell Blake a few things. And Let's, let's change that a little bit. You needed to rebuke me. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. Well, okay. So <laughs> maybe, maybe reproof. Maybe yeah. rebuke sounds a little strong. And, but anyway, we sit down, and, and I was hoping to small talk a little bit. You know, I'm hoping, well, we'll kind of ease into this. And I think, Blake, the best I can remember, you sat down and said, so what about my sermon, man? What do you think about my sermon? And I was just like, man, he's jumping right in here. So, yeah. so anyway, we did yeah, talk yeah. a little bit about, you know, the sermon and, uh, you know, maybe some misplaced application. But, but here is why I think it was a, a sign that God was at work in your life, is that you just graciously received hmm. everything that I, I told you. You know, there, there yeah. was not a hint of, well, brother, I came up with that, and God gave me that word, and you know that. I mean, it, it was. I, I'm assuming maybe it was not quite the conversation you thought we were going to have, but I never got a hint of I'm mad about you giving me these things, or you know what? Why can't you just pat me on the back? And I, I think I even had a conversation with Brother Jeff after that, when at some point he asked me, "Well, how did, how did Blake do?" And I, I told him your sermon. I said, "But brother, I, I sat down with him. I had a conversation. And I said he." Man, he, he just received what I gave him. I said, Brother Jeff, that's a pretty good mark, mm-hmm. I think, of someone mm-hmm. that, you know, the Lord is at work in their lives. But if, if, you know, Brother Jeff uses this term a lot, they're gospel humbled, mm-hmm. right? And that's so I came true. away from that thinking, man, that went really well, and I thought it was going to be a disaster. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, I Blake, maybe leaving Grace Life after I had this conversation, and, and right, the opposite was true. Yeah. Um, you guys stayed here and plugged in, and. Obviously, at some point, I can't remember where in the timeline uh, this occurred, but obviously at some point we we felt confident enough in how you received that and in how you were doing at Grace Life that we decided we'd ask you to come on staff. That's true. Now, do you remember that meeting? I do. We met at the uh, that old country store right yeah. out in Bar... Yeah, it's uh, called the Rocking Chair. I, I think rocking actually that's chair, gone yeah. now. I think it's yeah. a Fiesta Mexicana or something. That's like. right, the Rocking Chair restaurant. Theological yep. discussions always take place at Mexican restaurants for some yep. reason here in the Shelters. Yep. So. I don't know why. So what were your impressions that day? That was me, you, Brother Jeff, talking a little bit about, hey, maybe you want to come on staff here at Grace Life. Good question. I think you prepped me a little okay. bit beforehand. You had given me enough to know that that may be what's going on here. I didn't know exactly the details, but I was doing that, expecting that something like that might happen. As a matter of fact, I think I had a, a conversation with Brother Jeff after the service. Okay. At, and, and something was hinted 
that you guys had some needs that need to be filled and, and maybe I could help. Beyond that, I don't really remember much more than that. Okay. Had, had you talked to Destiny before that meeting about, okay, I don't know what this is going to be, but do you remember, remember that? anything like that? No. Okay. No. I'm sure we did, but yeah. I don't remember things okay. well. So obviously that ended up turning into you working with our children's ministry. Yeah. Right? So how was that? It was a form of, uh, forming experience. Yeah. Right. yeah. In what ways? <laughs> Many. <laughs> uh, in the first way, I came to realize that people are just people. I had romantic notions at that point about Grace Life Church yeah, yeah. for good reason, though. I, the reason I was able to receive, this goes back, the reason I was able to receive that correction that day is because I didn't come to Grace Life Church thinking I had it un- figured out. Yeah. I came to Grace Life Church humbled by God already. Amen and realizing I did not know. And I knew that you guys had already given me enough truth through the preaching of the Word to know that this is the place where I need to be instructed from. Mm. And so actually on the meeting that I drove to meet you that day when you rebuked me, I was praying. It's like, God, give me a humble spirit. Mm. God, help me. Yeah. I, I knew I had a sense enough to know you were going to do something like yeah. that. <laughs> but I, I, I knew I needed, and I needed the Lord to help me receive. Lord, if, if you want me to have favor in their eyes, give it to me. And so all of that led me to... Uh, how, how did, how did I, I got back? I I'm went backtracked about, a little bit. You're in children's ministry now, and people are people. It was a forming experience. Yes. Okay. So because of that, it also kind of tipped me to the other side. You guys have given me so much truth that I kind of had you up on a pedestal mm-hmm. a little bit, at least in my own mind and heart. These are the guys, they can't do anything wrong. And so when I come you on... You learned that was wrong quick, right? Yeah. Let's throw you guys under the bus <laughs> I now. come on the staff. <laughs> we, we greatly disappointed you. And I sure. saw that the champions of the faith that I saw in the pulpit and, and as they acted in ministry in the church had very real flaws. Yeah. Amen. That, that were... And, and by God's grace, you guys let me see them, by the way. You brought me in and let me, and let me see that. And for the space of about three or four months, I was struggling. I did not know what to do. And then God gave me grace to help me see... That these these are just men, amen. And to accept that, but also accept the truth that God is using them for His glory. Mm-hmm. And that's been so forming for me in my Christian experience because I did before then I could have easily went into a church with expectations that were not real. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not surprised as much when things act when when people are just people. Yeah. The Lord used that. Yeah, that's great, amen. So you're on staff for. Couple years, three years, two years, three years, three years. Yeah. Okay. All right. So on staff for three years, and obviously I know you. You know you had conversations with pastor. You know from time to time, and obviously you, you know you had had shown and had proven that you had gifts in preaching and teaching. And so, h- how did that transition from your own staff to maybe the Lord is loosening our roots to go help out an anchored in truth church plant? Uh, was Canada always the spot, or was that just where the Lord opened it up? What kind of work was God doing in, in y'all's life? Because this obviously wasn't just you. This was destiny. This was everybody, you know, that, that the Lord was about to uproot in your family. So talk a little bit about how the Lord began to maybe piece those things together with with an Anchor to Truth church plant in Canada and what kind of conversations took place around the Lord ultimately moving you guys into Canada. Sure. It was always understood from the, that very first conversation that it, well, this was not a permanent position. It was an internship meant to edu- meant to inform and help me get ready. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Two years in, we we'd estimated it was going to be about a two year process. Mm-hmm. And so, two years in, I'm already realizing, okay, my time here is is 
is limited. So I need right. to start praying. And, and our missions pastor, Steve McAllister, is mm-hmm. the one I, I went to and began to talk to. Maybe even you too. I think maybe I'd brought right. brought you in and said, uh, "Hey, we need to talk about this. I, yeah. I'd like to consider what the next step would be." And so Steve and I began to pray about it. And as opportunities would present themselves in the Anchored in Truth Network, maybe a church would call and say, hey, do you guys know someone? Or, hey, we want to work with you guys. Is there any way we could do that? We started filling that out. And the first way that came about was uh, an opportunity presented itself in New York State. Uh, Steve and I flew to Buffalo. Um, Oh, my gosh. I'd forgotten about that, but I, I remember now that you said that. I believe it was... 2017, August of 2017. Okay. Uh, we flew to Buffalo, or maybe in September, and uh, this was a church that this pastor was about to leave, and they needed a revitalization, a mm-hmm. real major revitalization, and they wanted to know if Anchored in Truth Network could be a part of that and help. And I went, and it was it was some good people there, very sincere individuals, but it, I just didn't feel good about it. Didn't feel like it was the right fit, and I think Steve kind of agreed. And so we came back and began praying. And about that same time, there was a uh, a church in our network, already in our network, mm-hmm. who had recently gone without a pastor for about a year and a half. One of their main elders called Steve and asked him, "Do you have anybody that even can be be considered?" And he he mentioned my name, and that man's name was Tom Robinson. Tom was a existing elder there at Grace Baptist Church in Selkirk, Canada. And so Tom called me in November of 2017, and we had probably, what did you say, dear, two-hour conversation? Yeah. Maybe more than that. We talked for three hours straight, and, and it w- there was a – how did – there are some people that you just – you can immediately get along with. That, that I'm, I'm, I'm so weird that that doesn't happen often. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so when it does ha- happen, I'm kind of like, okay. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> we uh, – uh, we had a real good spirit. I, I had a real good, um, I mean, just felt a kindred spirit. I, yeah. I, that's the best way to describe okay. it. Yeah. I, I really felt this church wanted and, and had the same vision for things that I did mm-hmm. and what I'd been taught here at Grace Life Church. That led to a canvassing trip. We went up in the middle of January to the— Was that you and Steve again? No, that this time it was me and Destiny. Okay, all right. Destiny and I and, and two of our kids went to Canada in the middle of the January to, to fill this thing out, to see— In January, too. Just to see how cold is this and how much snow, right? Yes, exactly. And so we did. And honestly, Canada was cold. The country's different. Uh, there, there's, there's pleasures and luxuries that that are not there that are yeah. that that are here. Um, every time I come back, I'm reminded of yeah. them. I forget sure. about them for a while until right. I come back. Yeah. But what struck me the most is that Destiny and I both realized that this is a church that we could do something with. Yeah. It wasn't like this is going to be the long haul kind of thing. It's not like I'm going to have to work my tail off for the rest of my life to even maybe have a healthy church here. Right. This this was a congregation who were who were almost all the way on board with everything that w- we thought were a major part of healthy yeah. church life, small group ministry, uh, congregational worship, you know, uh, with, I mean, all the distinctives here. Yeah. They just needed somebody to come jump in and lead them. Yeah. Amen. Um, to us, the shining light of Selkirk, Manitoba is Grace Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Amen. And that's why we, we began to grow convicted. And here's, let me show you the providence of God here. Destiny and I always had friction on this subject mm. prior to this. Mm. We did not get along. We did not see things well together on this subject. Destiny hated the notion of going to overseas. Well, in, con- in context, we have four children, nine and under, with a baby who's not even walking yet. 
So the idea of going overseas to start from scratch with our own four children was a bit daunting. So in other words, I would agree, Destiny. I mean, maybe Blake couldn't see that, but me and Tim can see that. We, so you know. so oh, let, me tra- you. let me translate that for you. I was right and he was wrong. <laughs> you got to listen to your wife. God gives you a wife for a reason. No, here's, what I, here's, here's the, the dividing line between us. She felt and, and was uncomfortable with going and planting a new church. She was uncomfortable with going out and starting from scratch. She always had the vision that she wanted to go into... Uh, uh, personally be a part of a church and that was existing already for reasons that you just explained mm-hmm. uh, myself i i had a strange ur- urging to go somewhere outside of my normal region i wanted to get out of the bible belt i wanted mm-hmm. and even if possible go somewhere where the gospel is not as much influence and make a dent mm-hmm. so he prayed for international yeah and i prayed for established church and the Lord answered them both. And he gave us both. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And that, that was one of the aha moments for us. We were driving back from that first canvassing trip on the way home. We'd spent a whole weekend visiting and assessing, and we hadn't had much time to conversate with each other. We were in the car driving back from Nashville, and we look at each other and we say, okay, what now? Mm-hmm. Uh, we think. What do you think? I, I, I wouldn't tell her what I thought. I wanted to hear what she thought. I said, what do you think? And she said it well. She she says things better than I do. She should be the preacher sometimes. <laughs> Don't do that, brother. You'll no longer be a part of the anchor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, spe- I'm speaking hypothetically here. Uh, she she, uh, she said, I don't know why we wouldn't go. Yeah. I mean, we kept trying yeah. to come up with reasons why yeah. no, and we really couldn't find any. Yeah. And that was in 2018? That would have been in January of 2018, January 2018, yeah. And so you officially became the pastor there when they they called me as their pastor in april of 2018 and i moved uh myself in june and then Mm -hmm. brought my family in july of 2018 yeah awesome so almost five years now yeah you guys been there so what are and, and i you know obviously you know we're time is running short on this grace life story but some maybe some challenges early on there in going to canada and and serving the lord yeah, the first year was hard, okay. uh, extremely hard. Separation, mm-hmm. anxiety, mm-hmm. isolation. We're right. both very, very involved with in our families, very close bonds. So right. I think there might have been a bit of underestimation <laughs> yeah. about how difficult that would be. And now let me clarify, that has nothing to do with our church family right. either. Sure. We have a, a host of people who love us and are, and are involved in our lives, Amen. but it was still... It was new. Yeah. You guys just went a long way from what you had yeah. always known. Yeah, yeah. and, and we don't tell, talk about this much, but Destiny had some serious anxiety issues mm-hmm. about six months in that we had to pray through and, and work through. And by God's grace, we have. The, uh, the next stage probably came around the beginning of COVID. Yeah. Um, we're only, I'm only been pastoring for two years, and I began, and COVID hits. And so... Which COVID in Canada, and you and I have talked about this a lot, yeah. and probably some people know a little bit, but COVID in Canada was even way different from COVID in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the governing structure became clear then, mm-hmm. uh, whereas individual liberty is less appreciated, and government is seen to have more authority over the lives of people, and including religion. And so... That's real hard for us Southern Americans. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> it was, um, but I had a good group of men that I, I sought their counsel, and I, I sub- we kind of submitted to each other on, in the process. Amen. I didn't just apply all of my thinking in, this, in the case. But the reason it became a trial for us is because it, it had some some dividing tendencies in our congregation. Brother Jeff told me over and over and over again, he says, not everybody who's with you in the beginning will be there in the end. Yeah. Yeah. 
And some of the closest people in our congregation who were to me and my family ended up being some of the hardest mm. yeah. divisions that came. Wow. And um, if we hadn't had Grace Life to counsel us through that, I don't know if we would have made it through that. Yeah. I had good, I good, had good help, yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things I appreciate about the Anchored in Truth Network and Grace Life Church is that you guys didn't just send me out and leave me hanging. But yeah. if I run into stuff and I need help, all I have to do is call. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That is extremely valuable. That's great. Um, well, so that brings us full circle because we're here at the True Church Conference. It's about to start um, here in just a handful of hours. What, what does the True Church Conference mean for you guys? I mean, you know, obviously for Grace Life people— it's a huge time in our calendar every year. So many people serve in so many different ways, and you know. But I, 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 it's probably hard. It's probably hard for me. It's probably hard for our people to maybe understand what it is for those of you who are going to drive all the way down from Canada, twenty-four hours straight, to be here with us for four or five days. So, so what does the True Church Conference do for a family like the Keenum family? You know, to be able to gather here for a few days in February each year. It's interesting because we've been on both sides now. Yep. <laughs> you want to answer that first? Well, for me, it's family reunion. Hmm. Uh, I think that's a, a big aspect for me. Um, just coming back to people who have become our family, really, in a, in a very big sense, and who have counseled us through difficult seasons and changes in our lives. And um, I think another thing is just the music people might overlook the music but Mm. that I I love music and that was I was in the choir here and it was just a really big it's just special to come back and sing in this congregation again and just to be a part of that that praise and worship aspect Mm. and just seeing you know talking with people and in other areas and you know the struggles they faced and how they how the Lord has helped them and sustained them through difficulty it's just um really encouraging and, and a restful time to come and rejuvenate. Blake, how about you? Yeah, that was actually my first answer, too. This is our family to mm-hmm. us. This is our extended family. It is like a family yeah. reunion to us. Uh, Grace Life Church is, is our home church. Mm-hmm. I feel that more strongly about that, than I, and I feel like I have a claim to that more than many of our other missionaries. Because yeah. to me, this if I ever... If I ever was, was fired or quit, this is where I'm coming. So that that's the first aspect. But as a pastor and as a preacher with the responsibilities I have now, the, the Anchored in Truth Missions Conference reminds me why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Especially with difficulties that arise, the hardships that are just regular ministry. And we're, we're not exceptional by any means. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to imply that. Brother Jeff, in my opinion, for, 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 whoever, for whatever you want to say about him, he understands and appreciates the the vision of a local church mm-hmm. better than I think anybody I've ever heard. Yeah. And it is good for me to sit under men like that mm-hmm. and to be reminded this is why you're doing what you're doing. Stop looking at, at the at, stop looking with the eyes of the flesh. Stop right. thinking about things the way you see them and yeah. and look 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 ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See things from the bigger perspective. That God God's glory is worth you going and spending the rest of your life in some foreign country who you're, who you can't I can't go anywhere in Canada and people don't look at me and say, Why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I have an accent, but everywhere I go they tell me I have an yes, accent. Yes. And, and and the awkwardness and and the challenges that come, the challenges that come with a local church, being away from family. Mm-hmm. I come back to the Anchorage Street Mission Conference every year and I say, Yeah, I'm ready to go again. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's great. Amen. Amen. 
Well, you guys are family, uh, and yeah. your Grace Life story is continuing on. It's just a little bit further north, you know, than it was when you guys were right here with us. Mm-hmm. But it's so good to have you guys with us. Uh, so glad that you're here for another True Church Conference. And just looking forward to seeing what the Lord's going to do this year. And thank you so much for giving us about an hour here and just sharing. I, I know there's a lot more. Uh, there always is when we do these interviews, a lot more that we could say and a lot more that God has done in you guys' lives. But we're thankful to be partners with you. Um, in the gospel, and thankful that you're here in town for a few days. So uh, thank you so much for sharing your Grace Life story today, all right? Thank you for having us. Absolutely. We hope you'll join us again next week for another episode of My Grace Life Story. As members of Grace Life Church of the Shoals share their stories of redemption and grace. To find out more, visit gracelifeshoals.org. This podcast is a production of Grace Life Media.